With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. County cricket, international cricket, test cricket, franchise cricket, red ball, white ball, hundred ball cricket. At The Cricketer, we care about the cricket you love. And that's why we've launched a brand new app built for fans of the English game. Download The Cricketer app and sign up to our Access All Areas Pass to receive agenda-setting journalism and illuminating storytelling straight to your phone. The latest news from the England camps, a dedicated daily service for fans of the 18 first-class counties and committed coverage of women's cricket. Download the app today and enjoy one month for free unlimited access. The Cricketer. We care about the cricket you love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 61 of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. We're back. Another test has ended. It's another draw. We got George DeBell with us again. But before we go to him, you know who else is with me? Yeah, Michelle. And it's, it's a bit like Groundhog Day at the moment. We've had 10 days of test cricket and we've sort of seen attritional batting, poor pitches go on and on in an endless loop. So hopefully that can change ahead of the next test in Grenada. But as you said, we're joined by George DeBell. George, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Weary, but I've just arrived in Grenada. And as you can probably see, it's Gorgeous. Yeah, for those people who who watch watch this on the visuals, George's background looks like a green screen that has been put up. That's how clear it actually looks like. You'd think it was actually a fake background, but um, it looks absolutely divine in Grenada. And George, I mean, let's let's get straight into it. After the first test, when we recorded uh, the episode 60, we all kind of said, ah, Barbados should have a bit more zip and bounce traditionally. That's what Barbados serves up. I don't think any of us expected a repeat of Antigua, uh, so to speak. But 
A repeat is what we got. And I think before we can get into the match and break anything down, George, we have to address the, the, the elephant in the room first and talk about the second test match pitch to uh to be a wary a wary affair to to to, to, to watch. How, what 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 was your take on it live in the ground? Oh, it's hugely disappointing. I mean, warning bells rang. Uh, looking at it two or three days out, uh, Cricket West Indies uh, were very keen to have a bit of life at the surface, a bit of grass. Uh, they wanted people to have a good time, not necessarily a long time, and they wanted um, yeah, they want the image of West Indies cricket to be fun and vibrant. Uh, which I'm sure is the right way to go. And you saw it, and it looked, well, it looked flat and slow. Um, that's how it played. I actually thought it was a wee bit better for Batty. It was probably easier to score runs than Antigua. Uh, but there was nothing there for bowlers at all. Um, and I thought it was disappointing. Uh, there, there are two views, I guess, you could go on this. Um, the Caribbean, uh, some of these Caribbean island nations are obviously quite reliant on tourism. And they wanted to maximise that. That is understandable after a, a, an awful couple of years. Um, uh, and you could argue that that uh, the end justifies the means. I, I think that um, that's a very short-term view. I think that uh, the tens of thousands of England supporters who came to Barbados in particular, um, you, you know, I think they, they might find other things to do with their money next time. It's still a wonderful country, but my favourite, if I'm honest. Uh, of anywhere we go in the world. Um, but uh, you, you're foolish to take that goodwill of the spectators for granted. Uh, it costs an awful lot of money, and everyone's had a hard time, yeah? Um, relatively, I accept, but everyone's had a hard time. Uh, and there are, there are going to be tests in, you know, Gaul and Wellington and Cape Town and Sydney and, and uh, Mumbai and all these other lovely places. And I'm afraid that people might spend their money there next time. Because it's not the first time. I mean, it reminded me of being there in 2009 mm. when Sarwan is probably still batting. <laughs> and um, I, I'm sure that um, uh, people will think twice before uh, spending so heavily. But Barbados is genuinely one of the most expensive countries in the world to travel to at the moment. And um, I thought it was exploitative. I thought it was back, a bit of a slap in the face. And I think the Barbados Cricket Association let themselves down. Actually, I think they let West Indies Cricket down. Not the first time I've thought that about the Barbados Cricket Association. I mean, Santolki's uh, some strong words, words I don't disagree with, I hasten to add. Um, to give a bit of a West Indian take on it, Santolki, um, I mean, obviously, both of us are happy that we didn't lose the test, but we never felt that we were in danger of losing the test. What did you... Uh, make of the uh the, the pitch and turkey yeah as um george sort of echoed it was it was a dull contest i mean as much as we didn't want to lose you do still want to see a contest between two sides and up until the final day that final session where west indies looked like they could perhaps collapse as you said mash it looked relatively safe we were batting comfortably obviously craig brathwaite who will get onto very comfortable on the pitch but george you mentioned um thousands of balmy army fans obviously at the stadium did you get a chance to speak to them what was the mood like and what was their kind of view as in terms of a contest? They were disappointed. I mean, I, I, I'm full of admiration for them, for the, for the enthusiasm, the fact that they kept turning up. There would be a couple of afternoons there that I'd have dipped off at the beach if I wasn't being paid to be there. And, um, uh, yeah, but they, you know, these are die-hard cricket supporters. And, and they were a bit disappointed, even peeved. Um, whether there is, I mean, this is quite a, a niche argument, but uh, you guys might get it. Whether there is a game within a game going on here, 
it, it's no secret that the BCA are not massive fans of this hierarchy at Cricket West Indies. You know, they, they tried to get Phil Simmons sacked the day before, or two days before the series. In England, if you remember, Conde Riley wrote that letter. And, uh, and then they refused to back them in, uh, refused to back Ricky Skerritt, rather, in, in the leadership election. And we're still going to Dave Cameron after, long after, in my view, Dave Cameron had been, well, <laughs> exposed for what mm. he really is. Um, and so there's no love lost there. And I, and I wonder if they were almost trying to, was it an error? Were they just trying to maximize revenue? Were they actually trying to damage the reputation of the current uh, leadership at CWI? Was that perhaps a surface? But I, I, I don't know the answer. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, I can tell you that the English sports were peeved. I think people in Cricket West Indies were quite peeved. And uh, I thought it was a massive own goal, you know. It should be such a celebration this series, you know, watching cricket in front of spectators again in the most wonderful place in the world, really. And instead it became a bit of a trial. Um, I know some people will say, well, that's old-fashioned test cricket. Test cricket is meant to be a bit like that. And, and, and it's true, there'll be the odd purist out there who bloody loved it. And that's fine, And uh, you know. I guess, well, no, that's fine. But I just think we've got to be real careful about the new audience. And we've probably been spoiled in the last few years that pitches have never been easier for, for bowlers. And maybe it's raised our expectations or changed our expectations of what test cricket can be like. But a, a good type draw is still wonderful. Um, you know, the, 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 the women's test that was played recently was a, a good example of a tight game that went down for the wire. But the... These weren't really. I mean, I think England pressed quite well on both the last days. But, you know, really, it was always going to be a draw, wasn't it? And, and, and well played Craig Bradford. I don't mean to take anything away from him, too. I think he was an absolute model of discipline. But I, 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 I genuinely mean I don't mean to detract uh, from that. But I'm not sure that kids say, take me to the cricket and show me a man being patient. Yeah, and, uh, and I think... We'll get on to that Craig Brathwaite knock because um, even in the context of the game, I think there's a, a lot to be said for it. But just to briefly echo something that George said there, because I think there, this is a good platform to say it on for those who will be listening uh, via the, the the cricketer platform. I think there's a misnomer in world cricket that cricket West Indies control everything in West Indies cricket. So sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, it's cricket West Indies, it's cricket West Indies. And that point that George raises is quite uh, personal in that the different territorial associations actually take responsibility for preparation um, in a test in the same way how uh, now we're in Grenada, that will be the the Winwood Isles cricket board and uh, etc. So I think people do need to understand that there is a difference between the BCA and the preparation of uh, pitches in Barbados and the oversight of Cricket West Indies. And Cricket West Indies have made it very clear they did not ask for these type of pitches uh, to, to be prepared. So that is an important dis dis distinction um, to make. Um, but Santoki, George's reference, Craig, actually, before we even get to Craig, mm -hmm. um, we did have two excellent knocks, even if you want to include Darren Lawrence's as well, in fairness. England produced two centurions, uh, Joel Root... It almost feels like we don't need to say anything about Joel Root. We kind of know what he can do. But um, in a match that was very kind of tiresome, Santoki, Ben Stokes did do a Ben Stokes innings and almost bat against the grain. Uh, no one else was able to 
perform as explosively as he did with the bat. I thought that was a quite special. I thought, regardless of the pitch center, okay, I thought that was a special knock. Yeah, 100%. As you said, it, it was as if he was in a completely different match that innings, accelerating it in the first innings. And um, George, it'd be interesting to know, do you think do you think the pitch could also be an excuse for batsmen batting at the pace they did, bearing in mind what Stokes done? Or do you just think Stokes was in a completely different league in terms of his mindset and how he approached the game? Oh, I, I thank God that I'm in the era when I'm reporting on Ben Stokes. To be honest, because there's always something happening. You could write a piece about what he does when he feels it. And there aren't that many people like that. Oh, Brendan McCullough was certainly like that. But, but, but there aren't that many people who are just, oh, I think he's a great cricketer. Uh, you know, Joe Root played a, a, a fine professional innings. I think he might be the best slow wicket batter in the world. Uh, Craig Brathwaite played a hugely professional innings. Ben Stokes was none of those things. It was like, it was like a sudden uh, thunder and lightning storm on an otherwise dry day. It was, it was so refreshing. And how he does it, uh, you, you know, did the pitch change at that particular time? I don't think so. I think he is very, very good. I don't think his um, average is anywhere near uh, reflecting how good he is. He's obviously extremely powerful. And he's hungry as all hell at the moment because he's missed out for a while. So all these things have sort of come together. And... Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think who, who bore the brunt of it. Um, oh, uh, Joseph, with the ball coming onto the bat a little bit, which is possibly not helpful to him. And uh, for Mull, uh, who, you know, got small. So uh, I thought it was a really special event as well. It was such a joy. Uh, it, it just felt really refreshing. Um, and nothing else in the match, or really in the series, has been like that. But you, you're right to mention Dan Lawrence. He did. You know, not quite the same scale, but in both innings, he was really selfless and he, and he did get things moving. He's been very good in the field and with the ball as well, but it feels like he's a, a cricketer moving in the right direction. And uh, just to before we look at the, the West Indies uh, point of things, I think we should also give some special mention. Well, actually, I'm going to throw two things to you here, George, because actually you may want to go off on both here. Two, so I'm going to go two different angles here. Firstly, a special mention, I feel is deserved for Mahmood and Fisher. Fisher certainly wasn't even expecting the, to play until very, very late on. Um, I thought both of them offered encouraging signs. Um, and I'd like to think, you could, should we really be saying this after one test, but I'd like to think that it's not going to be a case of, well, you got your one test because Overton was out, um, Robinson was out, Wood is out, and then it gets to the England summer the, the suspects we expect to come back, come back, and then they're kind of forgotten about for a bit. So I don't know where they are now are in the English scheme of thinking, or is it just a case of saying, well, we uncovered something there that we didn't know we had, or is it something you feel England should now try to invest in if this is a true reset? And then on the flip side, George, we have to call it as we see it. Is the end nigh for Chris Wilkes or do you just leave him to play in English conditions only, knowing that he can play well there? So two things I want you to kind of address there. Yeah, well, one door opens, another closes. You know, Saqib looks to the start of his career, doesn't he? I, thought, I agree with everything you just said there. I thought on a desperately unresponsive wicket, he impressed. I thought he bowled with decent pace. I thought he was really accurate. Do you know what? I, I, I thought before the game that you know, you have to accept that he's young and inexperienced. And every time I've seen him, he's been good, but he's bowled relief balls. 
Well, he didn't. He, he, he was really, really well sustained. And in the second innings, he had that little burst. I mean, admittedly, uh, Brooks played a pretty horrendous shot. But, but, you know, he was putting balls in good areas, putting them under pressure. Uh, and he got a bit of bounce. Um, I, I think he, he's got a high ceiling. Uh, of, of that attack, he, he might have the highest ceiling over the next five or ten years. So, definitely a fellow that they can do business with. And uh, I, I would expect him to play, if he's physically okay, in, in the final test here, whatever else happens. I mean, he, he was... It was pretty notable, wasn't it, that Joe Root went to him when, hmm. he, when he wanted things to happen. So I'm pretty confident he'll play. So let's move on to Chris Wokes. I love Chris Wokes. I, I saw his first class debut. I've known him since he was 16. I wrote his um, Wisdom Cricketer of the Year piece. I have nothing but goodwill for him. He looks exhausted and hmm. disappointed, most of all. Dis- nothing's more tiring than disappointment. And he, he looks he looks like he's lost the leaf. Now, I, I don't uh, know exactly why, but I would say that he has a lot of miles on the clock of that particular body. He's had a chronic knee injury forever, uh, which I think was sustained in a sort of a strength and conditioning course 12 years ago or more. Anyway, um, he's lost half a yard. He just has. Mm. It's only a few years ago, probably 2019. He could hit 90 miles an hour. And now, you know, you rarely see him hit 85 miles an hour. And I'm afraid it matters. It's not all about pace. Of course it isn't. But on wickets which don't offer a lot of the theme, and in conditions where he's not able to swing the ball very much, he's got to hit the pitch hard. And he's just not doing that. Now, whether there is a little bit of a belief thing going on there, yeah, entirely possible. But you'd have to say, I think he's now had something the best part of 20 overseas tests. And his average is actually going in the wrong direction. He's going towards 60 rather than 50. So... Um, with the best one in the world, he's a terrific cricketer. He's had a marvellous career. He's a World Cup winner. He's won the Ashes. You know, a brilliant thing. It looks like the experiment with him in overseas conditions is just about over. Now, I think that there'll be there's a huge amount of goodwill for Chris Wokes. And you could see why, even in that game, you know. He continued to field excellent. He continued to field with a smile on his face. He continued to work hard, shining the ball, encouraging his colleagues, uh, delighted in their these things do matter because you don't want a miserable, you know, guy in the dressing room uh, drowning their own sorrows. And that, there's none of that with him. But whether it is just that he has been in a bubble the longest, I think he has, I'm not sure anyone's been away for as long as he has. Um, I don't know, it's just whether they, uh, whether they look at him again in England. I, I'm pretty confident he'd do a decent job with a, with a Duke's ball and greener pitches. Um, I know this is a juke ball, different sort of juke ball, and no one's making it go around corners. Um, whether they do that or not, I don't know. Uh, it might be that he decides that his future is white ball only. He is in England's white ball squad. The World Cup's coming up. No one retires, really, from Test cricket in England anymore because the central contract season runs till October. If you retire now, you give back you know, half a million pounds. You'd be mad. But... Um, whether he's played his last test or not, I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, as I say, they de- I wouldn't be surprised if they picked him this week because they really like him. And there's a lot of hard-earned goodwill and respect. But uh, as, you know, one of his biggest fans, uh, I think he's had a terrific career. And if it ends tomorrow, which it might well, brilliant. Well done, Chris. I think, 
think uh yeah i think that that, that that's that's as apt as uh it can possibly get and i'm sure the debate will kind of rage on prior to the start of of the third test whether chris will or won't play but santolki um uh george referenced um our hero of the test the man of the match earlier on let me hand over to you yeah, so there's one main talking point for West Indies, one man who won't be going to the IPL anytime soon, Mash, Craig Brathwaite, who a monumental 673 balls he faced, the most by any West Indian in, in a test match. And obviously, Mash, it's easy to say it was a lifeless pitch, easy to bat. But if you think about it, other than Jermaine Blackwood, Craig Brathwaite wasn't really supported. No one else hit a half century. He sort of saved us in this, in this with that marathon performance. So, um, George, just... How would you describe his performance in that match? He was pretty much involved for all five days. Just the application it takes to face that many balls in the test match innings. You could do a lot worse than copy his technique if you're trying to be a test match opening back. I mean, test opening has never been harder. And I think one of the things you have to do is go big when you get the chance to get past the new ball. And he, he is fantastically compact. You know, he doesn't reach for the ball. He, uh, the hands hardly move at all. Uh, and, you know, he's limited, certainly, but he plays within those limitations. You know, Alistair Cook was limited, wasn't he? Um, he? I mean, he's not a typical West Indies opening batter. You know, he's playing on that ground and you've got the Greenwich and Haynes stand and it's not what you think of. Although both of those guys have fantastic techniques, no doubt about it, could defend very, very well. But he, he, he is... Uh, a nudger, an accumulator, occasionally off his hip and stuff. He hits the ball surprisingly hard. But, but that's not what you're remembering from that inning. You're, you're remembering the, um, the hours and hours and hours of self-denial, patience, determination. I've got nothing but respect for it. I really don't. It's, it's just, um, I've seen a lot of him batting in the last few days. Um, uh, and, you know, and he didn't even seem tired after. He was absolutely brilliant. I mean, in, in, um, uh, in Barbados, they very often name roundabouts after successful people, uh, cricketers included. And I just wondered what uh, a Craig Brathwaite roundabout would be like. I just wanted to get on it and just keep going round. <laughs> I mean, he just does seem to be an incredibly patient man. I was wondering about all the other professions he could do. If he were a taxi driver, for example, just let everyone out. Let everyone out. You know, you've got, you've got to be a bit pushy, haven't you? And, and there's none of that. But also, uh, you, you're dead right. Without him, West Indies probably are one down in this series now because, you know, Blackwood actually showed many of the same attributes. But he should have been out on nought and he should have been out on 70 or whatever it was. Um, so he had a wee bit of luck. You wouldn't say that Brathwaite was lucky. He, he was uh, utterly determined. And I know that he'll be tested more on pitches with lots of pace and bounds and the ball right, uh, bouncing around his ears. But you can only really judge him on the surface he played on. And the fact is, it's nil-nil going into Grenada. And it wouldn't be without him. So uh, he led from the front. Uh, admirable. Most definitely. And um, <clears throat> I think uh, in this in this era where we kind of live and die by uh, a lot of white ball cricket, almost ad infinitum, uh, it was in a weird way, it was good to see that those type of cricketers still exist and can be um, heralded for those type of innings um, that they play. And also, I think just a special mention for Craig as well, some players get better with captaincy and Craig undoubtedly has become a, I wouldn't say a better, I don't know if better is the right word, but he's become, he's become a more productive 
batsman uh, with the burden of captaincy. And that's no mean feat when you're a test opener at the same time um, as well. But um, gents, I think um, looking ahead to Grenada, what the test starts in about two, three days. um, Santoki will go first before we hand over uh, to George for England. Do you foresee any changes, Santoki? Does Carl Mayers get a game? Do we drop a Jaden Seals possibly? Or do you think it's the same team again, Santoki? Well, it's interesting because Ian Bishop on commentary was saying they'd be wise to kind of rest Jaden Seals, bearing in mind his lack of first-class cricket. So it'd be interesting to see if they do that. But if they were to do that, I don't know if Anderson Phillips the right man to sort of come in um, in this decider and make his test debut. So it might depend on Shannon Gabriel. Shannon Gabriel's fit and they feel comfortable. They might bring him in for Seals. Carl Mayers could get in, but then you're wondering who would they drop. Jermaine Blackwood was the obvious candidate before this test. He sort of earned his place with that century. They could drop Shamar Books and bring Mayers in. Um, John Campbell, I'm not being convinced by, but we've got a lack of openers in the region. So he'll, he'll maintain his place. So for me, I could see a bowling change and I could see Mayers come in. But for all we know, they might just stick to the same, same 11. My only concern with that, and I agree with you, but my only concern... And I guess it's the same for England that I'm going to throw to George's. We've seen two tests of bowlers bowling on dead wickets. I don't know how much that has worn the bowlers down on both sides. And if you remember, Santoki, when we went to England uh, in 2020, we didn't rotate. Hmm. So I'm just wary. Should we be looking at a rotation? Are the bowlers overworked? England have rotated more through injury than actual whether they would have done that anyways. But George, coming over to you, do you foresee, I don't see anybody in the batting lineup changing, so do you foresee any changes with the bowling attack for the um, third test? In which side? West Indies? Sorry, well, you can give both, but primarily England. Uh, I I, I agree with you that that example of England, uh, the England tour needs to be remembered. and Jaden Seals, oh, look after him. He is a bit precious. Um, and to be honest, Kimar too, yeah? I mean, we forget, but Kimar gets called on to bowl a lot of overs and a lot mm. of tough overs. And, um, yeah, they're not giving him a lot to work with right now. Um, there must be all sorts of uh, possibilities of change here. But, but let's wait until we see the wicket. I mean, I'm still hopeful that this will be a bit better. I think the last first-class game here was a three. It ended in three days. I think that the last last test I saw here was 2015, so it's probably irrelevant. But there were quite a lot of runs scored, and it wasn't particularly quick. But it was probably better than anything we've seen so far. And the last time I was here, which was 2019, Chris Gale and Josh Butler got big hundreds, mm. hit the ball mild, and there was a bit of pace to carry. I mean, it was kind of fun. It was it was pretty flat, but it, but there was some. At least the edges are carried a slip. Um, so I think you're going to have to look at the, the wicket first. I, I, listen, I've just landed, so I've no idea at this stage. Um, before you can make any sort of informed decision, you know, if England had their time again, they might have been, I don't think they would, but they might have been attempted to play a sentence spinner in Matt Parkinson. I suspect he won't play, but it's, it's possible if the pitch is similar. I expect Ollie Robinson will come back. Uh, Matt Fisher might make way as well. Uh, so it might be that Wokes and Fisher make way for Craig Everson and, um, and Ollie Robinson. 
but it, it does depend on a lot of things. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, West Indies might want to look at a couple of things. If Shannon Gabriel can play, great. You'd have to say that's slightly high risk. And I don't know what the other spin options are. Uh, Mayers looks terrific in training, by the way. I mean, he looks, he's a fantastically well-built guy. And he does offer with bat and ball. I, I agree with you that the top three, uh, West Indies' top three, looks fragile. Um, they, they couldn't bro- drop Brooks in Barbados. I think it would, it would have been difficult. Uh, but you sure as hell can in Grenada. Well, oh, I declare, Brooks is kind of the golden child. You see, I start criticizing Brooks. Do I, uh, I still... I was going to say, Barbados locked um, you off as soon as you started walking <laughs> recklessly. <laughs> You're back now, though. You're back. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we get there. You're, you're all good. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? You start criticizing Brooks and you get cut. That just seems to be the way I think. I can't hear you guys anymore, and I have no idea why. Uh, but I probably blabbered on. This is what happens, you know. Cannot Chris Brooks is a powerful man. <laughs> well, ladies and gents, this is probably the best time to end it there. George can't even hear us anymore. <laughs> he, he, the powers that be have cut him off. <laughs> he tried to go with the Barbados slander, and now look what's happened to the podcast and talking. So whilst we uh whilst we remove George from the screen for those who are watching you on the visuals. Um Santoki, do you want to uh close this episode off? Yeah, I think we're both. I think all of us English and West Indian fans are just hoping we get a lively pitch and can at least see a result in the third test. I'm confident if there is some bounce on the pitch, West Indies will prevail with their bowling lineup. So I'm optimistic, Mash. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm just really hoping we don't get another five days of attritional cricket in Grenada. So let's see how it goes. Most definitely, most definitely. Thank you for those of you who've joined us once again. That's been episode 61 of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. Thank you and good night.